All right, so we're in this little, right in the middle of this little three-week series. Whoa. Now I see dots everywhere. That's amazing. Sorry, had a moment there. There you go. Um, We're in this little three-week series where I was sharing with you last week, reading through the Psalms, get to Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons. And its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. And so I've been thinking a lot about that, right? Because the obvious teaching here is that when we're planted by this river, and and it's indicative of this river of life, right, that comes the river of life from God, and you're planted by it, you you grow, you don't wither, and you prosper, right? It produces fruit. And, And I love this concept so much that I thought, what does it look like for a church to be planted, like that. Let's say the church is the tree and we're planted by that river. What does it look like, right? And so I'm just taking a short three-week series here and we're rethinking some things. Last week we rethought worship a little bit. We looked at Revelation chapter 4. Wasn't that a cool chapter? I mean, just to think about and just to imagine, just to dream a little bit about. And so this week we're going to rethink something. Last week we rethought worship. This week we're going to rethink theology. That's what I was afraid of right there. Immediately, some of you went. And some people get up and leave. See, Judy? Just like that. Did you see that? Right? This is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Wow. Wow. And so, literally, I already have this challenge in front of me today because I know the word theology for a lot of us might have a lot of baggage attached to it, right? Maybe you have similar feelings when I said theology. You might feel the same way when somebody says, hey, let's talk politics. Yeah, exactly. And so, but with theology, it's kind of God thing, so you can't really, you know, oh, that. But anyway, I've got this challenge. And so, what is, when I say the word theology, what comes to mind first? Do you get excited? Immediately, are you bored? Do you have any emotion at all? See, sometimes what we do is we think of theology and immediately we think to those settings we've been in where people just started arguing, right, about theology. And immediately, we just think of those arguments that the, the people have with all these different beliefs that people have, right? And so a lot of times what happens in the church, we say, we, we want to study theology, right? And people are like, well, can't I just be a Christian? <laughs> like, can't I just keep it that simple? That's the big question that we have. Or I get asked, well, do, do, I, do I really have to be interested in theology? And so at Mountain View, we define a disciple. A disciple is somebody who is with Jesus, somebody who's becoming like Jesus, and somebody who's doing the things that Jesus did. That's belong, grow, serve, right? At Mountain View, we want to affect life change through belonging, growing, and serving. And, and belonging is being with Jesus, being in that relationship with Him, right? And there's a way to do that. It's belief and it's, it, it's obedience, right? There, there's a way to do that. And, and we want to become like Jesus. Well, that's growth. And there's a way that we do that at Mountain View. We practice that together. And then it's doing the things that Jesus did. And that's where we begin to serve. We, we serve within the church. We serve in our community, locally. And we see serve across the borders. And so we want to become like Jesus. And so this, this whole second part, becoming like Jesus, is so important because Jesus wants us to grow. Jesus wants us to become like Him. He wants us to be mature like Him. 
And so this is the stuff, in my opinion, that theology is all about. Theology isn't like politics, or it's not even too academic. Usually there are two types of people when it comes to theology. You have the first type of person who says, Ugh, really? Don't you understand how busy I am? I'm driving the kids. I've got work to do. I've got health issues I'm working through. I've got all these other things, business trips, not to add to my family drama that I have to sift through all the time. Why in the world do I have to deal with theology? Or you got the other side of it where people are like, ooh, theology, right? And all of a sudden you picture a room filled with a bunch of old men, you know, just discussing things all day. Right, trying to figure out, you know, and they're they're writing books called systematic theology and all these other things, right? And so, literally, both of you, if you fall into either one of those crowds, I just want to very lovingly say, listen, if you're one of those people, you're like, I'm a parent, I've got all these things, I'm too busy, theology doesn't fit into my schedule. Whoa, you're missing it. You've totally misunderstood theology. If that's your situation, I just lovingly want to tell you, pay attention today because I want to try to convince you otherwise. And maybe, maybe you're the person in the room when I said theology, you're like. He better say this, and he better say this, and he better say this, and he better say... And if he doesn't say the things on my top ten list of theology, I'm out of here. Very lovingly, I want to say to you, I love you. I love your robust thinking. I love where you're at. But I want you to rethink theology a little bit today too, right? And the reason we laugh is because we know both people who fall into those crowds, Right? We just do. And so we just want, we just, here's the deal. When it comes to theology, anytime, anytime where we make ourselves the hero over Jesus, we've missed the point. We've just missed the point. And so, what is theology? I want to give you just a very basic definition today. Very simple. And, and basically, theology is the study of who God is. That's what theology is. All of a sudden, you can go, much better, right? Because we all kind of want to know who God is, especially if we, 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 we've been following Him and we're on this journey that we call Christianity and we're a disciple of Him. We all want to kind of know who He is. And so theology is not doctrine, by the way. Doctrine is the teaching of theology. It's the conclusions that we come up with based on who God is. And so I'm not trying to teach doctrine today. I just want to talk to us about theology. And my hope is that when we leave, we're all a little excited. We're like, man, you know what? I want to be a theologian. And you can be. This is the beauty of it. Because it's the study of God and who He is. And so all of us can leave today being theologians, right? And and so I know immediately some of you are like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh. Uh-uh. Keep going with me, all right? Because don't check out yet. I see some of you getting real nestled, ready to just snooze for the next I don't know how long right but here's what I want you to know at Mountain View we want to put a healthy emphasis on on who God is that's that's theology right we want to put a really healthy emphasis on who God is and we want to put a healthy emphasis on what God is doing in the world but we also want to base it on what God reveals about himself to us now, that second part's really important, or that third part's really important. So we can study, we can figure out who God is, and we can open our eyes and look at what God's doing around the world. But the last part is the most critical part, right? Because, because we want it all to be based on what God has revealed about Himself to us. 
And that's the most important piece about theology. Our theology must be based on who God is, what God is doing in the world, but it also has to be based on what God is revealing about Himself to us. In other words, theology is the study of God. And it's saying, listen, I've received Jesus into my life. I'm following Him into obedience. I'm walking the Christian journey. And now through theology, I just want to know more and more and more and more and more and more about Him. That's exactly what theology is. I want to understand His nature. I want to try to understand His character. I want to understand God in my life and what He cares about. And I want to see what He's doing in the world. All of a sudden, oh, that sounds kind of appealing, does it not? Why is that so important? Because if we're going to be like Him, we have to know how He thinks. We have to know what He's made of. We have to know what kind of character traits He possesses. We've got to know how He interacts with the rest of the world, even the world that's different than us. Why? So that we might interact the same ways. So that we might possess the same characteristics. So that we might possess some of His nature and will will be revealed in us. And so it's sort of like saying, listen, Terry, I'd really like to be your friend. And Terry and I go and we have lunch. And Terry says, well, let me tell you about me. And I'm like, no, thank you. He's like, well, I want you to meet my wife. No, I don't need to. Well, can I tell you about my kids? No. Like, wouldn't that be an odd friendship request? Right? Usually when we say, I want to be your friend, we say, I want to be your friend, and that means I want to. Right. But when it comes to Christianity, sometimes we're like, Jesus, I want you to save me. But that's it. I don't need to know that. don't tell me that i don't really care about that right and we do this right we do this and so it's kind of like that odd friendship but we do it with him right and so this is why theology is so important however if theology gets too academic it goes bad but if theology gets dismissed as unimportant it goes bad also Understanding who God is and what God is doing in the world will really truly help us be better husbands and better wives and better parents and better employers and better employees and better students and better citizens. I mean, if we can begin to lean into theology, we'll become better people all around because it's understanding who God is. And when we begin to understand who God is, we become a little bit more like Him. And our lives will begin to change. And so that's why theology is so important. Have I convinced you to stick with me? Thank you. You answered too. That made me feel much better. All right. And so we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4 uh, today. And, and the Apostle Paul, he's the one who wrote these couple of books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, these couple of letters, rather, to this young man. He was probably about 35 years old, and he was, he was the preacher. He was the pastor in a church in the city of Ephesus. And there he was, right? And all of a sudden, here's this 35-year-old pastor, and he, he's leading in this church. He's a pastor in the church, and there's a rat nest of problems that he's dealing with in the church because that never happens in a church, ever. It just doesn't. Churches are perfect, right? This is the Old Testament here. We never have these kind of things happen today. <laughs> Wouldn't that be marvelous, right? And so most of it comes out of really bad theology. The problems that he's dealing with, this nest of issues, come out of really bad theology. 
And, and, and basically, Paul wants to help him. Because there's some false teachers and they're rising up in the church. And Paul's helping Timothy. He wants to give him a couple of tools and, and wants to help him work through this mess all because of some really bad theology. And so join me in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 14. It says this, I hope to come to you soon. And I love that. You can almost hear Paul's affection right out of the beginning, right? His love for this young man, Timothy. I, I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you. Why? Just in case I don't. Right? Just in case I get delayed. But he knows this. He says this. And I'm writing these things because I want you, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So I'm telling you some things because there's a particular code of behavior. And I want you to understand that. And I want you to be able to know how to navigate through that. But, but that's not the important piece. Look at this. I want how ought to behave in the household, which is the church of the living God. What's the household? The church is. And I love this. And then he goes on. He says, it's a pillar and a buttress of truth. Right? The church. The church is the place that should be a pillar of truth. Right? Not just a pillar, but a buttress. Who knows what a buttress is? Like seven, right? I think this is a word we should bring back, right? Buttress. What is it? I mean, the buttress is literally, it means support system. It's it's the piece that's holding the whole system of truth up, right? This pillar and this buttress of truth. And I love this reality because this is the description of what the church ought to be. And he goes on in verse 16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness, all right, so we're going to be dealing with some godliness stuff here, right? Godliness is, is the way I live my life and, and striving to live like God, right? Does that make sense? But this is what he says. He goes, he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. You know what that is? That's called theology. That verse is theology. It's telling us who God is. And who is God? He was manifested in the flesh. What does that mean? Well, God put human skin on and He joined us in the game we called life. He joined us and and He was vindicated by the Spirit and He was seen by angels and He was proclaimed by the nations and believed on in the world. And then in Acts chapter 1, He was taken up in glory. What is that? That's called theology. Did you hear it? It's, It's who God is. And it's the study of who God So we just theologized together. And Paul is setting this up for Timothy. And he's saying that the church should be a pillar of truth. And the church should be training people in truth. And this isn't the only time that Paul spoke particularly to Ephesus about these things. In Acts chapter 20, Paul's having a conversation with the leaders of the church of Ephesus. And he says, listen, there's going to be some people who are going to come up and they're going to be false teachers. And you need to be really careful. Listen to this. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I told you everything I could about God. But he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This is, what he, this is what Paul says. He says, listen, I'm warning you, I'm warning you leaders of Ephesus, as soon as I depart, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all of those who have been sanctified. You see what he's saying? He's saying, listen, there's going to be some problems because this is what happens. There's people from outside who are going to have a very different message than what you have. And you've got to be careful of that. But not only that, there are people who will rise up among you who have bought the message from out there and they're, they're going to bring it in and they're going to try to convince you of some things. This is Paul's theme to Timothy when he writes these letters. Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to know good theology. I want you to know who God is. I want you to know what God's doing in the world. And I want you to know that this comes out of what he has revealed about himself to you. And so there's a group among the church that they're rising up and they were teaching false things. And Paul wants Timothy to have a good foundation to stand upon. So it can't be shaken. And so we're going to talk about here in just a moment what, what that good foundation looks like. But here's what I want you to understand. Where do, we find, where do we find this firm foundation? How can we begin exploring about who God is? And, and really, it's the Bible. It, it is. The easiest way for us to begin to understand who God is, is read this. Sit through it and see how God dealt with people in and outside. See how God dealt with nations. How He dealt with the poor and the rich? How, how did he handle certain circumstances of disobedience? What, what were the risks of... I mean, you could read about all of these questions that we might have. And I love what Paul actually says about the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And it is profitable for teaching. How many of you have ever been taught from Scriptures? You can all raise your hand because it's happening right now. All right? This is a good one. All right? And, and how many of you have ever been reproofed from Scripture or corrected from Scripture? Yeah, how many of us love that, right? We'd rather be taught, not corrected. You, you know what I mean? And so it, it's good for training and righteousness that the man of God may be, do you catch this, complete, equipped for every good work. And I love this, and so it's the Bible. And the problem is, especially in our culture today, some of us have a really low view of the Bible. Well, what does a low view of the Bible look like? Well, we make the Bible say whatever we want it to say. I mean, quite literally, if I read the Bible out of context, I can make the Bible say whatever I want to say. I can find any point of discussion and argument and debate, and I can make the Bible say what I want it to say. For example, four real verses right here. You ready? You can jot these down and check me if you need me need to. It won't be on the screen. Matthew 27, 5, Luke 9, 60. I'm going fast. Luke 9, 31, and John 13, 27. If I put all those together, do you know what it says? It says this, Judas went out and he hanged himself. Go and do likewise. And what you do, do quickly. It's Scripture. It's, it's the Bible. You can't argue with me, right? And this is what happens. This is what happens when we have a low view of the Bible. We make the Bible say whatever we want it to say. And guys, this isn't a new thing. This has happened for centuries. 
And people are quick to make the Bible say whatever we want it to say. And then there's the other low view, which means, ah, there's just parts of this that I just don't really like. Oh, I don't like that it tells me not to do that or to do this. And so we just kind of take it out. And by the time we're done, our Bible looks like Swiss cheese. You know what I mean? We've literally just taken parts of it out and we've said, that just doesn't work for me. Or I don't like that part of God, so I'm just going to take that out. Or, ooh, that seems a little too extreme. So we do this, and that's a low view of the Bible. However, there's the other side, which is the high view of the Bible, right? And that's what I want all of us to have. That's where we look at it. It's one complete understanding of what God is doing in the world and who He is. And from the very pages of Genesis, we see that God is creative, and He's a creator. And He made this world for us to be in awe of Him and to enjoy. And He made man in His image. Out of everything He created, man is the one that He created to be like Him. And and we see that. But we also see that man was tempted by the serpent who said, really? God said that? And ever since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, God has been trying to reconcile His creation that's like Him, to be more like Him, to know Him. Theology. And when you read the Bible and you have a high view of what God's doing, all of a sudden it doesn't become about all the little things that we try to count and, 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 and manage and, and try to use against people. It becomes about what God's doing and how I get to be a part of what God's doing in the world. Do you see that? And so I want us to have a high view of the Bible. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says this. And this is why the high view of the Bible is so important. Catch this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Now hear this, right? We always talk about latter times. Oh, what are the signs? What are the signs? What are the signs? Well, I tell people it's very simple. Since the time Jesus ascended to heaven, we've been in the latter days, all right? So, so we're not here to debate that. We're just saying, listen, in the latter days, what's going to happen? Some are going to depart from the faith. Do you know anybody who's departed from the faith? Anybody? Yeah, we do. And, and they began devoting themselves, Paul says, to deceitful spirits and to the teaching of demons. Like, does that bother anybody that demons can teach? Because it bothers, it bothers me. It, it really does. And here's what I know. In our world, our world claims, our country, let's just talk about our country, claims right now to be more spiritual than in any prior generation. But spiritual does not mean it's from God. You see that? Like, like, seriously, I can't ask. I'm a spiritual person. Oh, really? Tell me about your church experience. Oh, I don't do church. Our God. And you're like, oh, what is my definition? Oh, my definition is spiritual and your definition. Very different definitions, right? But we are more spiritual than we've ever been. And so Satan, he likes to, he likes to introduce, he likes to deceive us, doesn't he? 
And it's not like he says, hey, here, here, Terry, I'm going to pick on you again. Here's Bob and Ted. These are my demons, and they're here to destroy your life and mess with your thinking so that you'll walk away from God. Like, we don't get that warning, do we? We, we, he doesn't like tell us. All of a sudden, we end up being somewhere where we really didn't want to be. And then we ask the question, well, how in the world did I get here? Well, this is why a high view of who God is is so important and a high view because theology, when we understand who He is and what He's doing in the world, theology will help us clear this deception. We'll be able to discern what is truth and what is not truth. And we'll be able to clear up and we should be able to say, whoa, 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 that is not who God is. And that is clearly not what God is doing in our world. And that isn't what God has revealed about Himself to me. And all of a sudden we can, we can say, hold that down. That's what Paul says. He says, when we fall into this, here are some examples. He goes on in verse 3. It says, Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. And so this is, this is what happens. This is what happens when false teaching occurs and when bad theology happens because one of two things happens. We either add to what God says or we take away from what God says. And this is exactly what was happening in this church. See, the leaders believed this concept that if the Gentiles were going to be Christian, if they were going to believe, if they were going to be saved, then they couldn't get married. Uh-oh. All of us would be in major sin right now. Not all of us, but some of us. Right? And, and that if you were going to be a believer and you are going to believe Jesus and Jesus was going to save you, then one of the things that you had to do is you couldn't eat meat. Well, I don't know about you, but I like meat. All right? I'm from the Midwest, meat and taters all the way, right? Right? How many of you like meat? And by the way, this isn't, this isn't a message about you should be single and you shouldn't be a vegetarian. That's not what I'm saying, all right? God made the plants too. If you want to eat more of that, go for it. Leaves more steak for me, all right? So, but this is, what, this is what was going on in the church. And so what does theology help us do again? I kind of already said this, but it helps us decipher truth. So it helps us clearly see and identify deception, but theology will help us determine what truth is when we begin to know who God is, what God is doing in the world, and how He's revealing Himself to us. All of a sudden, we can have a little bit more clarity, can't we? He goes on in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. That's just what I'm trying to do with us today. Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Here's what he says. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Do you know how easy it is to get caught up in what's trendy? And not just trends, but opinions, trendy opinions. And all of a sudden, i got to be gentle here, right? Because we all come in here with a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different opinions and a lot of different things. But all of a sudden, we believe that those backgrounds and what I was taught or what somebody I respect says must be truth. But then when you start looking, all of a sudden you go, oh, 
Well, hold on. For example, I didn't write any examples because I was afraid to. <laughs> and here I am right now, right? But, but, well, you see somebody who's begging for something. Money, food. You know, well, they should go just get a job like Right? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever read the book of Amos? The book of Amos? Have you ever read the book of Amos? A-M-O-S. Wow. Right? Because what does he say to the rich about the poor? Think about that. And if you haven't, read it. Look at it. And so this is what happens. All of a sudden we just think that, well, I heard that from somebody and somebody said it to me. And, and so we, we do these things and we believe these things, but they're not at all what God reveals about himself in the Scripture. God cares very deeply for even the people who stray from the faith. And sometimes in the church, people who stray from the faith, we're the most judgmental. We're the most critical. We're the, we're the most harsh. We kick people when they're down, and we feel good about it. We're kind of like, I told them for you, God. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, 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 whoa. And we're going to see this in a minute in this, this very this very scripture God so loved the whole world part of the world all the world see and all of a sudden transformation can begin to happen when we really begin to understand who God is and so he says don't believe have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths rather train yourself for godliness Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise to the present life and also for the life to come. Why is getting to know who God is so important? Because it's training for godliness, which will mean it'll give value to my current life and it'll especially give me value in the life to come. That's why this is so important. And so it's not about knowledge. It's not about knowing about God. It's knowing who He is and what He's doing around us. And so Paul even says, by the way, this is a trustworthy statement and it deserves full acceptance because it is true. Paul's saying, I would go to the grave for this. It's true. It goes on verse 10. For to this end we toil and we strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people. Did you catch this? especially of those who believe. See, God is the Savior of all people. And this is the reality. This is what we call common grace, right? Common grace. We all have the grace of God. The fact that you're breathing today is God's grace. The fact that you, you're, you're alive today is, is, is God's grace, right? But then there's the saving grace. And the saving grace is where we say, man, man I believe and we begin obeying. And we trust Him. We give Him our lives. We surrender to Him, Right? And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, because we have our hope set on this living God who is the Savior of all people, all people, even those who have strayed, even the false teachers, all people, but especially of those who have said, listen, I'm in. I believe that Jesus is the one true God, and I'm living my life of obedience, 
and I'm striving on this journey we call discipleship or this journey we call Christianity to know him so that I can become more like him. That's what he's saying. So it goes on, verse 11. Command and teach these things then. Let no one despise you for your youth. I love that, right? Because Paul's a young pastor, 35 years old. I'm a young pastor. I love these verses. I'm getting older. But seriously, you look at this. This is a good lesson for all of us regardless because all of us have somebody older than us around us. All of us do. So it's good. Set the believers an example. That's what he's saying. Because when we understand who God is and we become more like God, guess what's going to happen? Our, our speech should change. And our conduct should be godly. And love should be evident. And our faith should be tangible. And purity should be observed. And so he's saying, listen, young man, listen, I want you to set an example for the believers in speech and in conduct, in love and faith and purity. And often what we think is we think, well, I need people to understand where I stand. Is that what it says? No. Well, people need to understand that I just, I'm not going to tolerate this. I don't like it. I hate it. As a matter of fact, it's no good in my life. Is that what it says? Make sure people know what you hate. No, it says, I mean, this is where knowing God is so critical. So important. Finally, verse 13, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in it. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do you hear this? So what am I trying to convince you of today? Well, this is it. Theology is the Bible applied to every area of our life. When we begin to understand who God is and what God is doing in the world around us, we'll become more like Him. And then it gets applied And we start doing the things that God did. We start doing the things that Jesus did. Literally, every single of our lives can be transformed and can be changed. But it starts where you are and and where you begin to train. And so I don't know what your 2019 resolutions have been. I don't know what they are, what your goals are for this year. But I'm hoping that those of you who have set some goals, one of them is to become more like Jesus. I hope one of them is to become more like Him. And how do we become more like Him? Well, we get to know who He is. We become aware of what He's doing in the world around us. And we let Him reveal Himself to us. That's what we do. And so we have to persist in it. And we have to go grow toward godliness. Because here's the day. Here's the deal. Somebody is going to hit you with something false. You can turn on the news tonight and there will be somebody trying to convince you of something that may not be what God says. May not be who He is. You may have a family member who has a staunch belief about something that just isn't quite right. And so you're going to be faced with that and we're going to have to be able to see it and we're going to have to be able to be aware of it and we're going to have to be able to discern it and figure out what the truth is. And so the big idea is this. Will we 
stand firm when we face those moments. It's not going to get easier. The church is not the home team anymore. It's not going to get easier. The only way it's going to get better is if we really commit to get to know who God is, how He thinks, how He treats people in the world, how He deals with the lost, how He deals with the found. We've got to know who He is. And the only way we're going to know who He is is if we really, truly take time to get to know Him. Let's pray. God, my hope today is that we're all a little bit more passionate about getting to know who you are. And that, God, our awareness of what you're doing in the world would grow. And that you would continue to be faithful and you would continue to reveal yourself to us. God, I want us as a church to be people who are committed to getting to know you more and more and more and more so that we can become more like you. And so will you help us today? God, regardless of what our view of theology is and regardless of what our view of the Bible is, regardless of what our preconceived ideas of who you are, would you help us today maybe even begin training for godliness by getting to know who you are more? Or to continue training for godliness by pressing on and continuing to to be aware of what you're doing around us? so that ultimately, God, we can, we can effectively transform your kingdom here on earth and that more people would want that pillar of truth, you. I thank you for loving us all the way through it. One thing that's evident, God, in, in what you're doing in the world is you, you love your created beings, us. And you know us by name. You even know the number of hairs on our head. You knit us together in our mother's womb. And God, you didn't just create us, but you you made us with purpose and meaning. God, would you reveal those things to us so that we can become more like you and do the things that you've done. In Jesus' name.